With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today I'm joined by Craig Anderson oh. and Andy Harrell. Hello. It's been a fantastic weekend as Motherwell uh, kept a clean sheet and are unbeaten as well. So to keep that uh, that fine spirit moving forward, what we'll do is we'll go through a couple of things that are hot and a couple of things that are not and then we'll talk about this weekend's action. Craig, what have you got for us? Uh, I'll go for a hottie first, which is uh, football in the mud. Um, <laughs> just it was, it was a perfect weekend for that. Like It was particularly the game up in Dingwall, but... Um, Ibrox was a bit like it in, in Pataudry as well anyone that's not got a plastic pitch mm-hmm. in fact um, if you start digging as well as if you start digging through the lower league highlights or some real quality ones there. I wonder if Hamden uh, looks oh, interesting just as well there's not any big games coming up there <laughs> in the next few while um, but I'm wondering I remember the people were, were going mental about Breakin's pitch back in August and saying oh, if Breakin can afford a, a grass pitch like this why why have clubs got plastic pitches? I wonder what uh, I wonder what that's looking like now. I think it was breaking it could have been something else. I did really enjoy all of the Levy fans on it. Basically, every Levy fan on Twitter diving onto the cancellation tweet on Saturday, being like, "It's a tin pot pitch, mate. Tin pot yes. club, ban grass pitches." <laughs> Just, I mean, it's, it's it's the inevitable joke and the obvious joke to be made. But I really enjoyed the real commitment. Uh, I'm, to I'm it. hoping if uh, if Rangers. If Ibrox is unplayable on Thursday night and they have to come down to Rugby Park to play Braga, then... Uh, well, it'll be Eldry, surely. Eldry. Yeah, Eldry's always Eldry. <laughs> every, every time somebody's like, I can't, so we can't play a game somewhere for indetermined reasons. Let's go, everybody just go to Eldry. Yeah. Everyone go there and we'll all have a really good time. Um, one of my hots is uh, European bans, um, as Manchester City are allegedly banned from European football for mm. the next two years. Yep. Some laugh. Um, I really enjoyed Pep Guardiola today saying that he, with his £15 million a year contract, was committed to Manchester City. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I'm also committed to Manchester City with my fifteen million pounds a year contract. I'm just waiting on the on the ink drying on that. I think I think in terms of that story, it's been like a long time coming and something happening yeah. to somebody because it's just it's just boring. Yeah, and it also makes sense it would be Man City because they kind of hate UEFA anyway, don't they? So it's a nice easy, and nobody cares about Man City yeah, not outside of Manchester. So corner, yeah. yeah, exactly. So nobody's going to care. Manchester, like, yeah. watch this year, tendencies yeah. for the European games. <laughs> it's just not a big enough draw, and somebody like like you said, yeah. it felt like somebody was eventually going to take yeah. a kicker on that. There's been a few other ones with clubs in Eastern Europe, I think, was it one of the Croatian yeah, teams? Tur- Turkey, Russia, yeah, every, every year, like, it's a, it's a bit of an anorak, like, look up the draws for the European competitions, and pretty much every year there's, there's a ton of teams that aren't allowed to play mm. for a variety of reasons, so it's the first time it's been a, a high-profile team. I think there was maybe um, a Spanish team banned a couple of years ago, but it was, even at that, it was like... AC Milan were banned from one of the competitions as well, I think, recently, but but they, they're yeah. kind of shadow of what they used to be anyway. So. And all I have to say on that is that I'm absolutely fucking delighted about it. Uh, I think that's absolutely sensational news and good to get it right up you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good. Uh, I, uh, one of my hobbies is watching other football. Uh, <laughs> like, this weekend's been mental. Like, it was almost like the... Um, the the old air on BT mm. over Christmas where there was a game every oh. twenty like a game started as soon as the other one finished but these ones were all completely unrelated yeah. to one another <laughs> it was bonkers yeah yesterday yeah somehow despite the fact I was looking after the wee one I managed to have about four games on simultaneously <laughs> I was trying to like catch them from the corner of my eye with all of them um, and I, I I got stranded in Milton Keynes last weekend because I'd been at a wedding and then there was obviously all the the train faffing with the uh, the weather so actually for the first time probably since I was single managed to actually watch like Italy, like European football we kind of watched like the Leipzig game against Bayern and then I watched the Inter Milan uh, the Milan derby which was brilliant and then I watched some other games so like, I've not had a night like that in ages <laughs> it was quite enjoyable I kind of forgot how because I've completely lost the run of like Italian football and German football and Spanish football but yeah it was quite it was quite nice just, 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 just to round off that European thought I'll go with one of my naughties, um which is that somehow Barcelona are making an emergency loan signing Were the they? legal rules state that if you have a, a player that's injured for more than five months you can sign someone that's a free agent or already not or already playing in Spain. So essentially just going around all the other clubs going, who would like to come and play for Barcelona <laughs> for five months? Just come come along, come and come and play in European competition with us for mm. five months. What mental rule <laughs> I, I remember it being one like that in, in France as well, but the the thing that was funny because I, I had missed this part of the story and then I saw Barcelona target scores against them and um, was a BBC highlight right. and I went on and I was like they were playing Getafe and I looked and I was like hold on it's a 32 year old striker that's going <laughs> for Getafe why the hell are Barcelona wanting to sign him and then I looked into it because right. he's been scoring a lot of goals mm. and well you just literally need <laughs> somebody <laughs> yeah. someone that's faintly yeah, local yeah. do you want to come and play for us for five months which is it's absolutely I mean it's it feels a very ridiculous mm rule to have in place and that it's solely in place to help big clubs well I think um, and I could be totally wrong about this because I was maybe mishearing it but that so if like Barcelona buy a guy from Getafe they then can get in their own emergency loan person to cover the fact that they've had that so so it does entirely benefit <laughs> the big clubs also the, the other thing it feels like very much like we're doing some sort of European football <laughs> podcast but football, uh, James Hong yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there was something today that I noticed about Barcelona have apparently been paying, or allegedly been paying a million pounds 
for an account to set up tweets like abusing either current players and staff or former players and staff. So like Messi, Puyol, Guardiola, apparently paid a million pounds to put that together. We're we're on this this, this journey through the internet as well. This all sounds very NBA with guys having burned accounts and all of this. It also sounds very much like if Scottish football had the money, it's definitely something Scottish football would do. That's definitely what it's going to There are several... um, prominent accounts that are um, fan accounts for Scottish football clubs that I suspect are being operated from behind the scenes uh, for, for two particular clubs. Um, <laughs> I, I would not like to name names. Um, my naughty on, on that note actually is uh, conspiracy theories in Scottish football. Just get to fuck, honestly. <laughs> See when that Rangers game got called off and they had to reschedule mm. it for the next day and it's like the amount of all the other they need the money or the, their pies would get... This was a genuine thing that Celtic found that their pies would get cold. No, have you looked at the fixture? Literally, <laughs> Rangers are already fucked for games. They've already got a game in hand against mm. Johnston. Which still there's is no yeah. There's no date for it because if they get through in Europe, it can be played before the split. <laughs> St. Johnston could be... It could decide the split. It doesn't matter, fine. But it could decide the split. So, yes, I think there's a little bit of a... Um, more urgency to get Rangers mm. v Livingston to go ahead than there is for St Mirren v Motherwell, which has several weeks that it could be possible. Mm. Plus the fact that Motherwell are almost certainly top six, St Mirren are almost certainly bottom six. You could play it the week before the end of the season mm. for all you needed. Can like like look at what's going on. Yeah, there was also there was also I noticed quite a lot of complaints from people saying, "Well, I've just come over from Belfast for the game. I'm gonna to have to go back tomorrow." I'm like, "Well, the game's off anyway." Like, <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't know what you're, you're knackered regardless of what's happening. Like, you can't keep it on. It's funny. Always really enjoy those people looking for sympathy when you've got on a bus from Belfast to get on a ferry and drive past about presumably about. 15 football clubs <laughs> before you get yeah, to Ibrox fuck you I've got absolutely I'm sorry yeah. I've got also there have been other games they could, if they really wanted to go to a game that day there's they probably other games they could have gone they could have gone five minutes away to Hamden where the pitch was mm. well, a, a bit of a mess but playable again um, and David Galt scored a wonderful goal so and then yeah. the other one was the uh, the drop ball in the Celtic game yesterday yeah. which I loved where um, it was like the conspiracy that Andrew Dallas was somehow preventing and Cham from getting to the drop ball it's just the rules it's just the rules <laughs> look at some rules get some context and then decide your opinion magic so that's that's has got various <laughs> things off our chest um, so what we'll do is we'll now start actually talking about some football games. We've got five games this week. Obviously, Motherwell St. Mirren was postponed. Uh, we'll start with the Hearts game because it's the one that had the most drama, the most whatever going on in it. Uh, what an absolute carry-on um, yeah. it is, and I'm all for it, and I had a really good time. Yeah, it was it was a good game. It yeah. was, uh, apart from anything, I because um, we weren't playing and, and it wasn't exactly going out weather, I, uh, I, I caught this uh, whole game and... Until the red card, Hearts were going to lose five 0 and, <laughs> and then after it, I'm surprised they didn't win. Yeah. Ha- like Hamilton being absolutely rampant against Hearts yeah. for fifteen minutes yeah. is, is is quite a thing to yeah. see. Um, we've seen the sort of evolution from Martin Canning's Hamilton to Brian Rice's Hamilton, and Brian Rice's Hamilton from time to time just looks really good, and it's it's difficult to put a finger quite on why a lot of the time. Um, I get the feeling the reason why they looked really good at the weekend was possibly because Hearts weren't very good yeah, um, more than anything else. Um, as much as we've talked a lot, I've certainly talked a lot about how much I enjoyed Craig Alcott on the podcast before. Um, there's been a lot of defence of John Suter on this podcast before. Um, not from us. 
there's been a lot of defence from John Silver on this podcast before as well, and how it got the goal, they got them a point, but the back, the two of them in, in, in nah. seven halves, and the, they were getting absolutely ragdolled by Obo over the first 15 minutes. They looked miles off the. But was it even just the. the um... Because certainly Halkett's better, I suppose, with the ball in front of him, and he's not having to turn and kind of run back towards his own goal. But they were getting better in the air as well, which is the kind of worrying thing. That's one thing that Halkett and Suter should be able to do is to kind of win balls in the air against Ogbo and Moyo and anyone else in the Hamilton team, and they they weren't able to do. It. I mean, they just got bullied, and for such an important game for Hearts to come into it just so poorly organised just all over the shop like, I mean you, you kind of the very least always expect Hamilton, Hamilton to be organised but, but Hearts can even match that it's the way to help but you, you look at Hearts recent performances they, they were 3-0 down against Kelly and only got not let back into the game by Brunescu being an Egypt and then <laughs> they played Falkirk in the Cup I think it was the next game where they were atrocious then I they, mean it was, it was a minging game yeah. it was, it's difficult to judge anyone particularly on that game but they still weren't yeah. they weren't they were not streets ahead of a League 1 Falkirk in fact before that they had the 3-each th- uh, draw with St Johnston yeah. where they could have I think conceded several yeah. then they lose 5 to Celtic and then they've got that where again just every time Hamilton went forward it looked like it was going to be a goal. And you look at that team and you think, well, can you really afford to have three forwards in your team when you can't defend? Mm. Like, I know you're, you know, you're, you're kind of saying, we'll win some, we'll lose some. Well, drawing some's not that bad. Like, I know they did, but... <laughs> yeah, at, this, uh, at this point, drawing some is... Um, and, and it's just, you know, and then, and then you're even looking at who, who's playing right back. It's, it's clear who, for all, he's doing well for them going forward. Defensively, it's still been a nightmare and, and that's what you saw for that goal it was just rash okay so it was I think in order of blame it's Suter then Lamal <laughs> then Claire but all three of them yeah. look, look atrocious for that goal and up to that point you're thinking like this is this could be a again when you're saying the team as well the three forwards and, and, and Boyce Ikpiazzo and, and Naismith there Naismith's always going to drop deeper and, and be involved in the midfield but in that midfield as well, if you it's Michael Smith who's going to win tackles and win mm. balls, and he's he's a very very good player. Jimmy Walker and Andy Irving are they going to scrap their way through a game in order to give you the support to mm. allow your teenage left back to get forward and cover that, and your guy that's not really a right back but is doing okay better than he's been in any other position to run forward. Well, you've also got Halkett and Suter <laughs> playing out of defence. There's a is lot it, of moving parts yeah, in here yeah. and. I don't know whether you get the feeling that at some point on one particular day it will all go kidlibum and it'll all work in exactly the right way you want it to. But at this point, when you're bottom of the league, it's, it feels very, very risky to go ahead and do that. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I, I suppose the, the the issue they've got, or a couple of issues they've got defensively in that sense, is that they're trying to play this way that Stendhal plays with a high line, which... Joe did a really good article um, for the Evening News talking about it and it kind of showed, I mean it was obvious I suppose from the goals but it showed other examples where it just wasn't working and the, the line was really wonky um, <laughs> and, and also the, the players that they've got, as you say, aren't necessarily suited. You've got attacking full-backs, um, you've got centre-half that would rather play deeper, try to fit in that. So you're, you're trying to fit in all of a sudden Stendhal's approach with the wrong set of players and there's a question of whether or not he should try to look at scrapping his approach for this season, kind of going, right, 
it's not working. We've tried it. It's definitely not working. Let's reassess it in the summer when we can bring in some of the people we like because it isn't happening just now. So it's whether, whether or not they, they risk sticking with that. But the other problem is that I'm not sure they've got that defe- that supporting midfield to actually help the defence. You know, if they, they could set up a 5-4-1 and there's as much a chance that they'll still keep losing goals because they've got a, every goalkeeper they've got a massive clanger in them. Yeah, they're all terrible. Um, you know, you know the, the idea that Doyle is the least worse because he hasn't really been seen up a lot. He's not played. that when he has played... He's thrown them in and yeah, he's, he's, not, from yeah he's, not, he's not good either. And then they've got a defence where they've got a, a young fullback who's been playing far too much in Hickey. Like he's they're kind of in danger of ruining Hickey given how much they're they're still playing him. The centre halves are uncomfortable. You've got Sean Clare who, and he did get a lot of positives and plaudits, but defensively he still he's still got a lot to learn. And then I just don't think apart from Michael Smith. I don't think they've necessarily got enough in that midfield to. They don't have a proper other anchor in there to, to kind of give them the support. It feels similar to when Christoph Berra came back before he was broken and they played Demi Mitchell on the left hand mm-hmm. side. And he basically just. He was an attacking player because Berra was quick enough to cover centre half and left back. But now you're asking Michael Smith to cover the midfield. Berra covering the left hand side, fine. Yeah. I can kind of see how that works. Michael Smith covering the midfield, mm. left, right, back, forward, is a very, very difficult thing to do. On Hamilton, that Aki set up, oh sorry, that Hart set up, as we said, with the defensive players who are wonky mm. lines all over the place. A centre forward pairing of Moyle and Ogbo is perfect. I mean, that's, that's just, that's, that's absolutely everything that they want. They want. The space in behind, they want the conf- they want to run the channels. And- Once they set a half, Graham. Very good, very good. Uh, they 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 they'll exploit the spaces. In- <laughs> uh, they'll exploit the spaces in behind because they will go and work mm-hmm. very hard in those spaces as well. Um, is Jamie Hamilton this time quite unlucky? I think it. I think he's unlucky, but it is a red card. I just don't think. I don't see how it cannot be a red card when you see. You ask the question: Is it? Is it a handball? And probably it is. Yeah. Okay, it bounces off him a bit, but he's armed the way out. And then you ask the question: If he's not there, and he doesn't do that. Is Boyce one on one with the keeper? Aye. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's harsh, and, and it's one of those you almost wish shouldn't be a red card, but there's not really any reason it. No, it I, be. I, I suppose the argument would be that he's not doing it deliberately, and, and you really can't tell from the highlights. It's, that it's a really obvious movement, but you're right. I, I kind of felt the same about it. That otherwise, Boyce's one on one. It's actually a shame that ha- that happened because it's very rarely that you get Hamilton dominating a, a team and going ahead that early. It'd have been really fascinating to see eleven against eleven. Whether how long that would yeah. have continued for, or whether the two two would have ultimately happened anyway, because they'd have just kind of reverted back to being because def- because you feel like that Ham- happens with Hamilton a lot that they. They'll occasionally have a good start and then they'll just kind of slowly drift, revert back to the mean. It would have been really interesting to see, especially with that Hearts team and the lack of confidence they've got, whether or not they could have. I, my feeling them. on their performance so after they went down to 10 men is that individually every player was fantastic, but tactically, I don't think, I think they took the wrong approach. They, they just sat in, they didn't, they'd been causing Hearts problems, and even with 10 men, you can still show a wee bit of ambition. And, st- and I know it's 2 0 up and you've got something to hold on mm-hmm. to and all that. But the way they played was just basically saying to Hearts, OK, you've got 70 minutes to attack us now. And, and it made Hearts' life much easier because they didn't have to worry about the yeah, defending. Defend anymore, yeah. Whereas if you just keep keep the two up, 
and keep going at them. Maybe you do consider a goal, but mm-hmm. you're still going to cause them trouble. And so we play what I think each each individual Aki's player. And I thought the defenders were just tremendous. Today. You saw in the highlights like some of the the blocks mm-hmm. where they were launching yeah. themselves in front of it. That was just constant. That was from for the entire game essentially throwing themselves. So so the way they played in um, Southwood, I wasn't getting mixed up with Schofield for Livingston. But <laughs> Southwood was tremendous as well, and aided and abetted by by some really. Poor Hearts attacking performances, especially at PSU, and even though he, he seemed to pop up all the time and he did score Walker, I thought I thought it really didn't impact the game enough. But it it just felt like you know it was an inevitability, whereas it shouldn't have had to be that. But if you just say to any team, no matter how fragile, no matter how good, no matter how bad they are, attackers for seventy minutes, you're going to run the risk, especially when you, your players are fundamentally not that good. Yeah, and in fairness, I suppose. In the context of it, holding on with ten men away from home at Tynecastle and getting a point isn't too bad. The, the the results obviously haven't been that great, but they've now drawn away to Hearts and away to St Mirren in the last kind of six weeks or so, and they, they you know lost against all the other teams we played. But after I think they got Motherwell, then they got Rangers, and then after that it's a kind of winnable slate of, slate of games. And then the Motherwell one's winnable as well. I think it's Rangers then away. They've got. They've kind of still kept themselves in with a decent chance, and, and getting two decent away draws against the teams around them doesn't necessarily bode too badly, to be honest. Okay, uh, we'll move to Saturday's other game, which, to be quite honest, looked like by miles the most. I mean, while the Hearts game had a lot of drama and a lot of things in it, St Johnston versus Ross County and Dingwall looked absolutely brilliant fun. Um, even just the there was I, I think the highlights package was about six minutes, and it was just bodies. It was like uh, watching one of the one of the like. Mid two thousands WWE ladder <laughs> matches where just every time you turn around, there's somebody else flying in another direction, and it's always Xander Clark. Um, <laughs> the Clark and Kerr comedy cuts mm. like at the end. It was tw- like two uh, the, the goal eventually, but the one before it as well. It's just after what happened with Clark last week, like you just want him to have a good performance, and they didn't. But that that was a shame for St Johnson because I think it was probably one of the best performances of the season. Their fans were absolutely, seemed absolutely delighted with how they played, and you know even though they. And that probably it doesn't rule them out of the top six, but it makes it much more difficult for them than it may have been because if they win that, they're, they're well within touching distance of Hibs, and I think they'd have gone above Kelly as well. I can't remember yeah. if they are anyway, but maybe not. Um, but the it, it felt like a frustrating one in that respect. But at the same time, when your team we've gone to this with Kelly, when your team click and play well, even if you don't get the result. They're not, yeah, they're not quite yeah. so bothered. Partic- particularly given how their season's been up until this point. I mean, the first half of the season w- was difficult. There just wasn't an awful lot to write home about mm-hmm. in any. There wasn't any great performances. There wasn't a huge amount of interest in it at all. And suddenly the team, again, kind of coinciding with everyone finally being fit for them. I think there's a something which I think a lot of us do that is, as soon as a player's back from injury, you just go, oh, he's back and that'll make all the difference. And I think Dre Wright's a perfect example of that as well. And that he was back from injury, yeah, but it's still going to take him a month, two months, three months to get back to close to the player that he was. He still needs to remember how to play football. If you've not played football for six months, then you, I, I think I struggle to go from week to week to play football. So coming back after six months out to come back and say, or oh, just be the player that you were. Um, and he looks he looks like he's having an awful lot of fun. And that St Johnston midfield weird as well. And that... David Wallerspoon has come back into the team. I think a lot of St Johnston fans were... He seems to sort of divide opinion within the fans. And a lot of people very, like him very much. A lot of people aren't that convinced by him. 
but coming back into the team, I know Joel was talking about it as well, but saying that as the most sort of advanced the, the, the midfield three that they've got there, he's just been absolutely a revelation since he came back in. And the, uh, and, uh, I mean, talking about the other days, the, the pitch as well, I mean, the, defensively, having that three of Gordon, Kerr and McCarter really good. I mean, the, when McCarthy won three and drawn one now, the games that he's played in. It really so, feels like I want to watch him. Yeah, because he, yeah. he, certainly at Inverness, I, I, I was under the impression that he was quite good, but I was. it felt like a bit of a jump to go from there to, mm. uh, to St Johnston the Premiership. Yeah. But he's, he looks absolutely spot on. Yeah, and I think, I, I suppose the thing for St Johnston is that they can dominate the first half and kind of dropped off a bit in the, the second half, which is maybe natural to a degree, with Ross County needing to... Um, to get a goal from somewhere, um, but yeah, the, the the difference certainly in that first half seemed to be the midfield. So where you had the kind of engine of McCann and Witherspoon and um, Butcher, you know, Ross County had Cowie, Draper, and Vigers, which is you know not the most energetic or mobile. I feel, I feel like I've said this like three forty times this year with Ian Vigers being like that looks like a bit of a mismatch. <laughs> Yeah, Vigor still has a place at this level, but he needs to have guys like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, and uh, I mean, I suppose credit to Ross County that they got back into it, like again, kind of a, a bit of a lucky goal, but they're not looking. I mean, they're they're looking of all the teams at the bottom, even including Hearts, probably the worst of them at the moment. I know the fans don't seem hugely keen on keeping um the managerial duo either if they could if they could possibly get rid of them at this point. But uh, yeah. signing spending money on signing Ollie Shaw uh, remains <laughs> one of the oddest bits of business well, I've seen in a while. Because that was the thing when he got linked with Kelly in, in Ross County in the summer and it was going to be a loan deal and I was like, no that they we definitely don't want Ollie Shaw on the moment. I can kind of understand signing him a bit more permanently because yeah. you're like Okay, maybe if you give him a there's something. There's definitely yeah. is something with him, but the point, the problem is, it's it's easier for a team who are in a bit less danger. But when you are in a relegation battle, you already have several strikers who had been doing yeah. fairly well. Is it is it where you want to be directing your funds? Like I know they they brought in they played for Donaldson as well, which I mean, okay, that's mm. not nothing. Who I'm has, getting his face smashed in. Is yeah, not. Really. I was going to say for the record, has <laughs> the worst. Like you see a lot of injuries. That's the worst injury I've ever seen on yeah, like horrible. Cause, because it's his face, mm-hmm. it just I can't look no. at it properly to be honest. I just saw the kind of very far away. No, that was about as much as it. It looks like uh, you know that bit in uh, the Rock when the, mm-hmm. when the when the bits of mustard gas. Yes. Yeah, it looks like that. Essentially, <laughs> it's not a great, not a great sight to see. Stevie May, I want to talk about Stevie May. Talk about Stevie I May. I think he, I'm not going to say he's back. Stevie but I May's think, back. I think he's. Um, I think I think you're starting to see a bit of confidence coming back in him again. Not just the goals, which is, is a really lovely finish, and he has been scoring a wee bit more recently. But the um, but he still has only scored against Ross County Hearts and Morton <laughs> in the last like few months. So it's not like. Uh-huh. But at the same time, just like the the link up play, which was always there, but there's just a lot. There just seems to be a bit more flourish about him, and your hope. I just I know we're all like desperate to see that Stevie May back and anything that we can get towards that's good because I think I think it's just the hair it's, you just got like, yeah, you want it's the, it's the hair, hair, the hair yeah. and the tattoos yeah. Yeah. it's the hair and the tattoos that I'm absolutely on board with can um, we can we call it the Minnesons has anyone has anyone yes, yes, used that before yes, I, I just thought it there <laughs> um, I did I always kind of assumed that Chris Kane was the heir apparent to Stevie May which never really came. <laughs> But does that mean Chris Kane's actually the heir apparent to Stephen McLean in the first place? Which oh, I, bet. 
having in, in terms of a physical size of a boy, he's a reason. He's, he's a chunk of a lad, and letting May play off him seems an awful lot better um, than asking him to go and be Stevie May in that respect as well. Um, Xander Clark as well though. Um, the one is it Jason Kerr absolutely laps it into two him. of them because he drops the ball in the first place, and I think it's actually. Was it, is it Erwin? Did Erwin come on? Erwin came on, yeah. Who pokes the ball, actually, as it drops, really he good, pokes yeah. it across. And then, cared I smash it off him. And, and when I saw the... Because I, I don't know if when you know the score in a game and you know it's getting quite late and you're you're almost looking at how are a team going to concede from here because you know when... <laughs> and you're like, oh my, I hope they haven't scored from, from this for their sake. <laughs> and then the one that they scored from was slightly less of a blunder, but but um, Clark comes out and absolutely clatters into care again. And therefore, kind of doesn't get a good contact in the ball, and also, kind of, I think, disorient care a little bit, which means yeah, yeah. Mackay's got a wee bit more space than he would normally have. As well as I, I don't, I, I've never particularly rated Scott Tanzer uh, as well. <laughs> I think Callum Booth is uh, both of them, neither of them are wonderful players. Booth to me is a much more sensible defender, and that Booth does his defensive job in terms of shutting things down Tanzer does offer you something more going forward I think that his delivery is possibly a bit better although maybe just stick Booth on the right hand side and let him ping shots in who can tell um, but Tanzer just he's not out quick enough he's not shutting the cross down he's not stopping the cross coming in as well but uh, Clark was any number of times during the game Clark could have been punished and it feels only fair that eventually he was actually punished for, 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 for making mistakes throughout the game I think Clark's probably quite lucky about his only competition is Elite Parish because otherwise you would think he's he's due for a drop. But you know, I'm just going to have to stick with him for the to the end of the season, I guess. Yeah, I'm amazed as well to see that um, bringing on a midfielder that can actually pass the ball a bit and uh, Harry Payton in the second mm. half seemed to sort of coincide with Ross County looking a, a good bit better as well. So yeah, all all good things to see. So we'll, we'll head to Sunday's games um, and we will go to the first one time wise. So yeah, as Aberdeen. Well, defeat 2-1 by Celtic at Pataudry for the eighth time in a row. Is yeah, that right, SPL, yeah, SPL stats? That's yeah. right, aye. And that, I think they've never been... They, Celtic never won four in a row, or more than four in a row before that, and now they've just... Yeah. And this, this was very similar. I know McInnes gets a lot of... And I've said this before, I know McInnes deservedly gets a lot of stick for his record against Celtic in particular. But this reminded me a lot of several of the games when Aberdeen were quote-unquote in a title challenge with Celtic which was that they didn't play that well in this case they played really well actually but even that they were never uncompetitive yeah. but then they wouldn't get the wee bit of luck if you want to call it that and then Celtic would um, not that not that I think there, there ultimately was much luck in the goal it was some, some bad defending yeah. um, but they had several chances they could have definitely won that game not just taking a draw the one where McKenna gets in the way of Maine um, mm-hmm. Rosen Taylor gets in the way yeah, of Maine is ready to yeah. go has to be a goal yeah, has, that's McKenna, what's McKenna? McKenna gets it has to be that one has to be a goal it's as we know very well you get limited chances against Celtic when they arrive like that you've absolutely got to finish them and it was that at that moment that was kind of I, no I don't I don't I don't think Aberdeen yeah. are going to get anything out, out of this because that was that was the perfect chance. It was a real opportunity for them, and just McKenna's got to get out of the way or listen to the shout. Which is hard to tell because I don't know if I mentioned this in the mm-hmm. podcast recently about the shout and whether the wind means you can't hear the shout or whether he does shout or doesn't shout. So you don't know who to blame yeah, yeah. looking at that. You don't know if 
Main did shout and McKenna didn't. It was such yeah. a, he's unmarked yeah. in, in the six yard box. Even Curtis Main is going to score from there. Um, he's he's going to he's going to put that one home. But frustrating, frustrating nonetheless. But uh, yeah. I, I was going to say for for Celtic, it felt it felt kind of like that was the big one on the the last kind of hurdle for winning the league. I'm, I know it's not. I know they've got you know firm games and everything to go. But I think it seemed like for kind of Celtic fans, I know they were chatting about it after the game that. Having got that kind of ten point advantage, you could you could see a situation where they'd immediately slip up and let Rangers yeah. back into it. And it was one of those games where the weather's horrible. It's really windy. Aberdeen, yeah, Aberdeen, you know, arrived and, and competed pretty well in the game. And it, it was one of those games that could have gone either way. The fact that they got out of it with a win did seem pretty huge, just in terms of keeping that momentum going and not immediately derailing them. Um, but yeah, there there wasn't a lot in the game. Uh, I mean, from from Aberdeen's point of view, the, the midfield kind of competed pretty well. There's maybe a a, a core or something there midfield wise that they can they can take going forward. I mean, the, I mean Aberdeen's tactic was pretty much just get the ball out to McGinn and get a cross in, which was you know occasionally successful. Given, quite given often, how, given how the day was. Yeah, it's worth it's worth a it's worth a shot. And, and Julian, uh, which is you know I've got a few folk mentioned the social media, has a tr- trouble with target men, mm-hmm. and uh, he struggled a wee bit with Curtis Main. And it's, it is weird; he has kind of struggled quite a few times with Dykes and Morelos and a few guys who are quite physical. And I don't I don't know what why that is because he's a big strong guy, but for whatever reason, he seems to whether or not he thinks he should have more time in uh, space than he actually does and he, he gets frustrated that he doesn't I don't know but that, that that was a route certainly for Aberdeen to get into and it was yeah I mean they, they still weren't great to watch but you can kind of give the yeah. you can give I them think, a, a, a pass on that this weekend the support would have been you know, yeah. pleased with that performance that they'd put in I think if it hadn't been Derek McInnes that had been managed yeah, yeah. when uh, put in that performance I think he'd be quite happy with that as well but yeah <laughs> <coughs> like Sam Julian, he, he struggled with uh, Ocampo even mm. um, when when Aki stand up there as well, and it's a curious one because I don't know whether it's I don't know if you get guys like Curtis Main in French football. I presume you do. You must, you must get absolutely. <laughs> like you, you, you must get these guys. Kelly have got a um, Argentinian boy on trial, and apparently he's like a big mid in that as well. So um, <laughs> you, you, you must get them everywhere, but. The, the thing about Julian is he, he also is the one that plays uh, everybody on side for the um, equaliser for yeah. Taylor. Which I mean, it's a great finish. It's a centre forwards finish from Taylor. It's the it's, I don't. It's kind of like one of the time you see a centre forwards finish, you try and describe what you mean by it. But the shape of his body, the yeah. way he strikes through the ball, is like a player who is used to finishing shots Ash, like that. Ash Taylor's a really funny one, and Scott McKenna is a, I mean, Scott McKenna is a better player than Ash Taylor. This is yeah. not, not not the point I'm trying to make, but. Scott McKenna, in terms of like big moments for Aberdeen, has his goal against Kilmarnock, and then beyond that, you're kind of struggling. Ash Taylor's highlight, highlight reel in two spells at Aberdeen must be about 15 minutes long because he crops up in big moments and big games. It's kind of like uh, Peter Hartley at Motherwell as well. Like Again, on a week-to-week basis, does daft things, does, does mental things, but at the same time, bullets in headers against Rangers to get a point and stuff like that. It's, just, it's a weird dynamic mm-hmm. there in that I think he's... I think it, I think more than anything, it's just a good mentality. He's, he's done very well since he's come into the team. Cause he's kind of dislodged uh, Scotland's Michael Devlin uh, <laughs> from from the squad. But uh, yeah, I, I felt like that was um, the problem for Aberdeen was again defensive errors or, or 
you look at the first goal and okay, there's there's a lot going on and, and maybe um, Griffiths shoves McKenna. I thought McKenna was in a bit unfairly criticised. I think he he does well to get back and deal with Griffiths and really force him to empty the ball. But then after that, um, Ferguson just lets Callum McGregor run off him and okay, there's a lot going on elsewhere. But your one job is to keep an eye yeah. on the guy who scores loads of goals and he doesn't do it. And then you come back to the winning goal and Constantine, it's unforgivable. He's jogging back. Fine if you kind of keep up with Ayer and you get caught. But you don't know what's going to happen in between. He's yeah. ambling. It's because he, he doesn't see it. And as a guy who's played centre-half for that long, see the danger. And okay, yeah, you've you've been up the park and you're knackered. And if you are running as fast as you can and the guy gets to before he's fine, but he's not. He's, he's jogging back and Ayer just opens up into that space. And then Ojo... It's for some reason, it's like he doesn't really know what he's well, meant to be doing. I, I think he, so you're right about Considine, but the, Aberdeen still had enough numbers to kind of yeah. go man for man, at least yeah. with, in fact, maybe they're man over for the time. Ojo kind of sticks with Edward as he's kind of going uh, past the centre circle, and he surely should pass on to McKenna, who doesn't have anyone, so that Ojo can kind of keep an eye on on the, the left, his left flank, and he, and he just follows. Edward in so far that actually Ojo's he's, easily he's, the deepest player by the standing, time that like he's standing yeah. eight yards from his own goal for no reason and it's yeah. like that's one of those things where it's like Considine should be should be doing better but also the other guys are still professional footballers they weren't uh, you know it wasn't a, a two on three for Celtic they had the same number of players back they should have been able to manage that better and someone has yeah. to recognise the six foot five Norwegian yes hearing up from the back it's the not same, for the first time it, it was the same goal that scored against Motherwell um, earlier in the season when we felt the bits as well but how like so, to run that distance to be that size mm. to be one of the most noticeable players on the pitch and to not have anybody lay a glove on you is, is unforgivable in fairness to Ayer I hadn't appreciated until I watched it again today how good a finish it was because he just waits for Lewis to move and clips it over where he's got absolutely no chance. Yeah, that's a guy who has at some point played centre forward in his career. I think. Has he? I think I read, I'm sure I read that when he burst into the team in um, Norway when he was like 15 or 16, he was playing centre forward and then gradually just got moved further back <laughs> in the team. Um, well, that makes a lot of sense. Norway, was... Norway not short of centre forwards. No. And, which we, we may find out about. In no, we won't. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, we'll move on to Sunday-Saturday game um, as Livingston just hung about in Glasgow for the day did some shopping presumably and then turned up at Ibrox to take on they Rangers they don't need to go to Glasgow to do shopping they've got true, the they've got Ryan, very <laughs> true very true um, yeah um, as Rangers very unimpressively once again scraped by Livingston yeah for Rangers it's a, it's a case of missed chances all at the time at the moment Um on both sides of the yeah, bases that yeah. Levy probably the last chance Levy did as well yeah McGregor made a couple of really good saves Dykes obviously had the one that hit the post as well yeah I mean yeah, Rangers are not in good form at the moment and for them uh, on a, 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 a kind of difficult day weather wise to beat a difficult Livingston team you would just take that and kind of move on with it but the the same concerns I guess are there the interesting thing was kind of Morelos and Camberry there maybe was the odd shade that that could work, but yeah, I mean, it was the the, the goal that Livingston gave away. It was kind of a weird lapse again defensively in terms of just letting Arfield have so much space. Hadji did really well actually recognising it so quickly, yeah. and it was a really it was a really mm-hmm. nice pass into him. But and if it wasn't for Arfield, Rangers would not look like scoring at the moment. Uh, and I mean, this one for Arfield wasn't a twenty five yard thirty yard screamer, yeah. but I think. I, I, 
and they've obviously got this game at Braga midweek as well. For, for Gerard, I'm not quite sure what they do in terms of getting over the hump, whether they just have to kind of try and play their way through it and think, or, or there's that kind of fundamental change that they need to be making they, at the they moment. They seem so. to be, um, even last season, it's like they, they turn up as a completely different team in Europe anyway. It's mm, like true. a completely... Yeah. Um, different. I mean, it's, it gets them away from the, the Scottish referees, which I think helps, yeah, it, helps, it, it. helps them enormously there that, as well. Must be what, what does it, but... Um, <laughs> where'd you go from that uh, Sch- <laughs> Schofield I thought um, had a very good game but also at the goal it goes right through him yeah. and uh, I know it's a hard thing to, to deal with but I think I, I, I thought Livingston their midfield wasn't as effective as it had been in the past they, they obviously um, Bartley wasn't playing and also Sybil had dropped out and so they were kind of going with legs in the middle of the park so Crawford came back in and someone else who escaped because Lawson had been playing full back mm-hmm. and yeah um, and it didn't seem to quite work as well as it had been because that midfield's been um, been excellent and yeah. as I say the, the trio of Bartley, Sibbles and Pittman for me is amongst the best best in the league it's in terms of what they do it's just the way they all kind of go together and so for me it was um, Crawford as, as much as he offers your legs and that's why he was in the team because he'll get up and down the park he's probably not quite there at that level he's a guy who they sign as a project that Eventually, and I don't mean that because he's, he's not like super young, but eventually he's got the potential to be a decent Premiership player. But he's just, this season's about getting up to speed for yeah, him. Yeah, it kind of feels like where Sybil was yeah. 12 months ago in a, in a um, And so, yeah, it felt like they, they just didn't get a grip on the game. And of course, they're playing at Ibrox and, and they still created chances, but it did feel like it was a, a matter of time for Rangers rather than Livingston putting up. Superb resistance, and as well as that, Livingston have struggled on the road um, enormously. Like their, their home record compared to their away record is, is absolutely ludicrous. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was. It I, I struggled to think of any great bits of comment to make on this game. Rangers one one nil, and Andy Halliday seems to be channeling Terry Butcher as well. So good, good for him. Uh, we've got the final game of the weekend. Uh, we'll head to Ayrshire on a, a blustery day where you have to hold on to your rubbish. Um, as Kilmarnock were defeated 2-1 by uh, Jack uh, Rossi's resurgent Hibernian what a turnaround um, I, I thought uh, I don't know for that comment from Graham I don't know if it got picked up on the TV but there was a Tannoy announcement asking Kelly support, or all supporters to hold on to the rubbish for safety reasons <laughs> like, like a bag of crisps is going to murder someone suffocate you uh, as you know like standing on, standing on a bag of empty crisp poke on a plastic pitch with studs might be a danger could be could be a danger and on a grass pitch as well mm-hmm. both both absolute dangers um, not the biggest danger you'll encounter on the air shot, but a danger <laughs> nonetheless I I thought it was a really good game I really enjoyed yeah, it yeah um, I think if Kelly Hibbs and Mullerow could just play in a three team league because every single game <laughs> I, it's like it doesn't matter what the score is it's just, that was a good game everybody yeah. was putting in a good fight everyone feels they've got their money and I felt like uh, I felt like it, it was value for the, the fiver I spent on the train to get down to Kilmarnock <laughs> so um yeah, hips were hips were good. Um, I think for the first fifty five minutes they, they were the better team. Um, Kelly didn't play necessarily badly, but Hibs were on top. And I, I actually thought you could see why Hibs have chucked away so many points because they unnecessarily then sat in and okay they they, they managed to to yeah. see off, but you feel like they didn't need to do that so early in that game to to, to sit in and almost. Ex- Play, play, the play the way that they were yeah, playing in the first place. They were creating so many chances. and so I, so I feel from their point of view, that's got to be a, a slight worry. Not, not a big worry because they're, they're winning games. Uh, but 
it, it points to an idea of like that mentality that maybe needs to be sorted out a wee bit. But beyond that, you, you look at the midfield that they've got there now, um, Doherty makes a big difference. At, I've kind of said a few times, I don't, it's not that I don't rate him, I just don't think he was ever a Rangers quality player. I think he's, he's fine for a team like, like Hibs in that position. I was sitting directly behind that goal and it's just an incredible strike. Yeah. It was very reminiscent of uh, Jordan Jones in the same fixture two years ago. Pretty much the same spot and, and just arrows into the top corner. As soon as it leaves the boot, you think, oh, that's in. Um, but just in general, the way he played, he made such a difference. I thought him and Slivka as a two might struggle against Dick and Power. But, but they didn't because they had the legs yeah. that, that Dick and Power don't. Yeah. But... Um, Throughout the team, and they're just that's a dangerous team because players. I mean, Dodge was quiet; didn't really do anything. Um, McNulty, similarly, to be honest. But at the same time, they've still got players everywhere that can hurt you. Because Alan, Alan, well, he was okay, and Boyle was a constant danger. Alan, Alan has that 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 ability for. Well, it is literally he has that ability where at any point during the game he'll find something to do, um, pick up the ball and then pick up a pass. And there's not a huge amount of players in the league that can do that in the same way that he can do it. Um, interesting to see Hibs as a, as a back three as well because suddenly we get to see Paul Hanlon being good again like Hanlon has always been fine as a player with little spots of really good form and playing in a back three seems to sort of play to all of his strengths um, and I, I was going to say yeah, on the back three Adam Jackson's a lot better than the kind of version of Adam Jackson that they had under Heckenbottom as well I think that has made a difference and I didn't think Brophy and Kabamba didn't really offer no, that much. They're, they're, you know, the danger kind of came from Chris Burt yeah, on one side, putting in some great balls and just nobody on the end of them. I, th- I think Brophy and Kabamba had a hard day against him. I still think I think Hibs did defend well, but I think there were moments where they still let those two in. But in, in another day, Brophy probably gets a goal. Um, you know, he's a couple of chances where he, he maybe shoots at the wrong point or something like that. But I think you see that, like, um, again, Porte is a, is a good player and will be a good player, but him being out of the team probably makes that back three a bit more manageable because he's the three that they've got there are maybe slightly more intelligent. A bit um, more predictable than um, what we're going to do, yeah. Players, because um, McGinn, for, for all that criticised the signing, being it's, a spare I mean, man there, it, yeah. it helps, it works for him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I thought Hibs, Hibs were good. From a Kelly point of view, again, I don't think many Kelly fans left particularly disappointed with that performance. They're disappointed in the result, obviously, but... I think you saw everything that you saw from Kelly last season and also there is a wee bit more like attacking thrust than there ever was under Alessio which was the biggest problem because two, two recognised centre yeah. forwards on the pitch but and, and even at that like the players like McKenzie and Burke and even the midfield two were getting forward and the full backs were, were, were you know still getting into positions and it, and then in some some cases having three centre halves playing um, <laughs> playing centre forward at the same time at the end was a good laugh but um, I did really enjoy just chuck, just chuck on Broders it'll be fine <laughs> I saw that because I was thinking I was looking at the bench and it's like there's there's just nothing there you might as well get Broadfoot on the park because um, things happen when Cup Broadfoot's <laughs> around. Um, yeah, it was, so it was probably a hard one to take in the sense that I think Kelly will feel he should have had a point just because of the amount of pressure. Yeah. But then, as, as someone said, it was just a lot of firing crosses into the box. The clear-cut chances were few and far between. Um, you, you kind of feel that if you stuck Dodge 
in Kelly's team on Saturday, you would have walked away with another crap hat trick. Yeah, because mm. the thing was, I think Marciano made, I think the two saves that he mainly made was the one from O'Donnell that he tips over the bar and the one from Kilty that he tips around the post. But I actually don't think either of them are going in. So yeah. no. <laughs> it's like. No, the, cro- the, the, and the crosses, the, the really good ones that were in it, it felt like it needed more of a penalty box kind of striker that just anticipating that a wee bit better and somebody would have got in the end of it. It just. Because Brophy does so much of his work outside the box, he's still maybe not the most natural penalty box no. player, and I think that's probably because Burke did put some. Yeah. I mean, having him and O'Donnell were both good. Well, in the right just, side, just the, the, the quality, the consistent quality of crosses mm. that he puts in is just like I, I can't imagine if you had a I. Um, I don't think who the strength of the centre forward is, but dodge that type of player yeah. who just attacks the ball because just constantly the amount of balls he fizzes across and it's just consistent. And, and it's a lovely wee goalie scores, and it's yeah. kind of what you, you come to expect from him. That's really one, 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 one of the one of the lowest one of the lowest headers I've ever seen in my life as well. <laughs> but that's proper bad defending. Well. I have really enjoyed that the a big part of Hibbs' team over the past few games has been Jackson Newell and Dodge, who were rightfully massively maligned under Heckenbottom as they just weren't really kicking a ball. And it was it was the, what the way you guys were talking about on the the Patreon uh, the other week about writing players off. Joe Newell, to me, every time I've seen him, he's, he's done a slightly different job, a slightly different role, whether it's been central or wide, or kind of vaguely wing-back at the weekend as well. And he, he's just a very sensible, reasonable player. And I, again, expecting an awful lot from him, maybe at the start of the season, it's taken a little bit a little bit to settle in there. Um, but now you're looking at three guys who you'd be very happy to have in your team for this year, for next year, and for the years coming forward. It's, it's interesting how that's worked out. I'm not expecting a great renaissance from Tom James. You might take up that Paul McGinn role, you never know. Who can tell? Thanks very much for listening. Uh, we are off to record the Patreon where we are going to discuss the Tunnock's Caramel Wafer Challenge Cup semi-finals. Uh, mainly what the man of the match gets for that as well. Uh, so you can subscribe to that by visiting patreon.com slash terracepodcast. Um, the guys will be back on Thursday with another show which is going to be Craig and Andy again, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, with Craig Cairns coming in to, as, a, as a late... Sub for me, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's coming out. We usually make three subs every week, so Craig Kills will be coming in and the TV show, which is inspired by this podcast, returned to your screens on Friday night. You can catch that up on the BBC iPlayer if you missed it already. If you watched it anyway, just watch it on the iPlayer again anyway, just put it on in the background and get the numbers up. Um, and that'll be back on Friday as well. So, yeah, thanks very much for listening. Thank you very much, Craig. Cheers. Thanks very much, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.